Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Rhode Island Blood Center, Mother Earth Wellness, Graysale Brewing, Trinity Brewhouse, Ballet RI, and R1 Indoor Karting. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have Michael Franzese. He is a former made man and a capo for New York's Colombo crime family, and he made a billion dollars for the mob. Franzese has a YouTube show, Sit Down with Michael Franzese, which has over 5 million views per month. He will bring his history of the mafia in Boston and Providence, Michael Franzese's mob story, to the Stadium Theater Performing Arts Center in Woonsocket on Saturday, December 30th. Yeah, this is Mike Francis. You're coming to the Stadium Theater on December 30th to talk about the mafia. I certainly am. And you used to be a member of the Mafia. Yes, I was. So this is a little out of my realm of uh, usually doing podcasts. The closest I've ever come to that is talking to Chaz Terry about his Bronx Tale experiences. That's about as close as I've come to talking uh, talking about this on my podcast. Uh, this is an interesting... Chaz, uh, Chaz and I happen to be very good friends. We actually have a podcast together called The Wise and the Wise Guy. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> so you got the two of us. You got the actor and you got the... Uh, you got the wise, which is Chaz, and you got the wise guy, which is me. You got us both. So I watched a quick video. I read your bio and watched a quick video. I didn't really watch any of the other videos, but there was a reference in... The movie Goodfellas that mentioned your name, was that actually reference to you? Yes, it was. So I, I don't remember Goodfellas very much, but was that movie pretty accurate? It was fairly accurate. And, uh, you know, that was a different family uh, than mine. However, I knew those guys pretty well. And um, I knew, you know, Jimmy Burkwell. I knew, uh, I knew all of them pretty well. Let's put it that way. So Henry Hill, Paulie. And uh, I was kind of stunned when I saw, I went to the movie and I saw it. I had just gotten out of prison and I was very curious and I knew the writer, Nick Pileggi. So I called him up and I said, Nick, why did you put me in that film? That's a different crew. He said, yeah, but you knew all those guys, Mike, and you got name value. So I threw you in there with them. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, two things. You could have at least told me, number one. And number two, they could have pronounced my name right. (laughs) Mike Franchisi, which is quite normal when people do that. But yeah, but I knew all those guys, and uh, it was a pretty accurate film. So I read that you brought in a billion dollars for the mafia. Well, you know, I had uh, I was fortunate in that I knew how to use that life to benefit me in business, and I was more of a, of a business guy. I was more of a racketeer than a gangster. And, um, you know, I went on to make a lot of money, and um, I had devised a scheme along with a partner and some of the guys in the the Russian mob to defraud the government out of tax on every gallon of gasoline. I ran that operation for about eight years, and we were bringing in $8 million a week at one point, and, uh, you know, sometimes $10 million. all depends what kind of week we had. It was, uh, it was probably one of the biggest money earners for that life uh, since Prohibition, to be quite honest. Yeah, you were you were listed as the second most lucrative uh, mafia guy after Al Capone. Well, I mean, you know, that's the media. I'm not certainly going to claim that. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I did pretty well. I can tell you that much. You made a million dollars a week for yourself? Well, I was, make, I was making a lot of money. You know, I got indicted for this and um, eventually went to prison for eight years on it. I got a 10-year prison sentence and a 
$15 million restitution, $5 million in forfeitures. I had a jet plane and a helicopter back then. And I gave it all to the government uh, in settlement of, of, the, uh, of the indictment. But I made a lot of money. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, we were bringing in millions a week, and a good portion of that went to myself. Do you have anything left? Well, I've been out of prison now since 95. I went in in 85. Um, and I can't complain about my life. I mean, the government did take a lot from me. There's no question. But I was able to rebuild. And, uh, you know, when I, when I settled the case... There was no cooperation involved. I just settled out because I had I had uh, been to trial five times prior to that. And I was either dismissed or acquitted on every case, one of them being brought on by Rudy Giuliani. So I had some leverage with the government to, um, you know, to finish this up uh, because the main witness against me in the Giuliani case would have been the main witness against me in the gas case. And we destroyed him on the stand. He wasn't believed and I got acquitted. So the government was a little leery about trying me for a sixth time and not winning. So I was able to negotiate a good plea deal, you know, good being a 10 year prison sentence. The back then was pretty good. Under the RICO law, guys were getting 50, 60, 100 years. So I was able to negotiate, pay him back a significant amount of money. And, uh, you know, I kept a little bit for myself. My wife didn't have to work when I was away. Let's put it that way. I did eight years. But, um, Look, you know, I'm not saying this in a uh, an arrogant manner. It, it it was it was a trying time for me, no question. Uh, I walked away from that life, and people were very upset about it. So I had to deal with that. Government put a lot of pressure on me to try to make me a you know cooperating witness against my former associates. So I had a lot to deal with afterwards. I don't want you to think that, you know, I it was some arrogant thing on my part. Uh, that life is is always very trying and. You know, fortunately, I came out after a lot of headaches on the right end of it, and I'm very fortunate with respect to that. I, one, one of the things I saw in the video is just, I always wonder about this, is how are people that come out on the other end of it, how do you survive? How is it that you're not a target of any ire from that group? Well, I was. I mean, there's no question. When I walked away, remember, my father was a prominent figure in that life, too. He was the underboss of that family at one time. Now, this is the Colombo family, correct? Colombo family, correct. Unfortunately, my father drew a 50-year prison sentence back in 1970 and actually did 40 years on that 50. But uh, people were upset with me when I walked away and not allowed to do that. But, you know, two things. The fact that I didn't put anybody in prison, I didn't cooperate against my former associates, I did my time, you know, that that had a, a lot to do with my being alive. And the second part about it, everybody that I knew in that life is either dead or in prison for the rest of their life. So I just outlasted everybody. I mean, I went out, I moved out of New York. I came out to California, you know, starting a new life after prison. You know, guys had their own troubles. You know, they weren't looking at me. I wasn't hurting anybody. I was just out of their, out of their uh, purview. And uh, I'll give you an example of it to understand what I'm saying. 1986, Fortune magazine wrote a huge article. It was half the magazine, 50 biggest, most powerful mob bosses in the world, or in America, I should say. I was one of the six that they featured. They actually had a chart with the 50 of us on there, according to rank, wealth, and power. I was number 18. I was the youngest guy on the list. Now, how old were uh, you then? I was 34 years old. Hmm. You know, which is a silly list. I always say they didn't ask for our tax returns. You just sold a lot of magazines. It was silly. But was it, what's not silly about that list, out of the list of 50, some 30-odd years later, 48 of those men are dead. Number 49 is in prison, and I'm the only one alive and free. Hmm. So to say that I've been fortunate, 
you know, uh, and knowing how to navigate all this stuff that I went through uh, is really an understatement because most people thought I'd either be dead or in prison for the rest of my life, myself included. Yeah, that seems to be the way things go. I mean, I, I'm not a... Uh... I don't know a lot about the lifestyle. I mean, I, I came, uh, well, not going to mention any names or any circumstances, but I had my brushes with them in the 80s. Uh, you know, I used to bartend at a place that was owned by, by them, and I had a lot of dealings with them back in the 80s. Fortunately, my memory is very fuzzy of that time, so I don't know names and faces anymore. But I do remember very many circumstances that went on that were very shady. And, you know, it was... it. it caused me to get away far away from that that stuff because that kind of uh that kind of lifestyle kind of you know scared me uh from being anywhere near it and uh, i you know it's kind of i don't know you know i only know the movie version of it so what is what is the the myth i mean how much is the what's going on in movies mythology and how much of it is actually accurate what goes on in this lifestyle well, I can tell you, you know, to judge some of the, I mean, obviously, if you come to the show that night, you'll hear a lot of good stuff and you'll you'll know the truth from the reality of it. I mean, the truth from the unreality of it. But you go by the media and the movies, I should say. Goodfellas, fairly good depiction of that life. If you want to see one of the most accurate depictions of that life, go on YouTube and watch the 1996 Gotti movie with Armand DeSante and um, uh, what's his name? Anthony Quinn, brilliantly done, very, very accurate, and it'll give you a good uh, description of that life and that, that part of that life. Uh, obviously, uh, Casino is fairly well done, pretty accurate. And when I say pretty accurate, the storyline is pretty good, but the way the characters carried themselves is a good depiction uh, of the life. Bronx Tale also, I thought, I tell Chaz all the time, that was without a doubt your best role. No question. You nailed it in that in that uh, movie. So they're fairly good depictions of that life. Now, if you want to go to television and you talk about The Sopranos, don't knock the series. It was a, a groundbreaking, amazing series. But I always say this. People say how I I mean, well, I'll tell you this. If a mob boss was ever visiting a psychiatrist, he'd be in the trunk of his car by the end of the week, along with the psychiatrist. That would never happen. <laughs> so, you know, that in itself was uh was something to talk about but you know other than that it, it was a good series you know people enjoyed it and it was groundbreaking like i said it was uh it was just pretty pretty good in that regard but the movies that i mentioned give you a pretty accurate portrayal of that life without getting into you know some of the things that weren't accurate one of the things your pr person uh told me about i didn't get a chance to watch the program yet the how to be a mob boss i guess you had some comments on that show yeah it's a new netflix show you know i mean they call me a lot there's a couple of guys that they'll call and we give sound bites you know how these things go they, we give sound bites they bring us in so I've done a number of them over the years. You know, is it an accurate uh, depiction? It's okay. You know, I, I saw episode one, six episodes, I think. I didn't watch the rest of it. I saw episode one. I thought it was pretty good because I liked the animation. It was all about uh, Al Capone. So I didn't watch the rest of them. They have one on Gotti, which, of course, but this it's old news. There, there isn't anything new about Gotti that anybody's going to put out. You know, I did that, and uh, there was I did, I did a bunch of them. If you want to watch one that's fairly accurate on Netflix, look at Fear City. Uh, that was a depiction of the mob life in New York during the 70s, and I contributed to that also. But uh, that was fairly good. They did a good job on that one. 
explain this to me. I, I don't want to seem naive about this, but what is the difference between La Costa Nostra and the Mafia? What is the difference, or is it no difference? There is no difference. Uh, the Mafia is the uh, catch-all word for the different factions. In Sicily, it was Cosa Nostra. Up north in Italy, it's Engrada. You know, they just have different different sections of the Mafia, but it's it's all the same. Cosa Nostra here. Where Cosa Nostra in the United States is because the Sicilians are the ones that first came over here. So we uh, we, we came from the Sicilian faction of, of the Mafia. I'm not Sicilian. I'm not Lidon, but you can still be part of it. Now, is Mafia a derogatory term with the Mafia? Well, it wasn't back in Italy, you know, when it originated. Originally, these were, you know, a band of people that were protecting communities from outside marauders. The problem was over time they started to kind of prey on their own. You know, it wasn't until Mussolini, you know, cracked down on them back in the I think in the early 1900s that they started to migrate over here to the United States. But initially it wasn't a bad term, but now it became a criminal organization. So now, yeah, it is looked upon uh, truthfully as as a uh, a bad society of, of people. It's organized crime. There are other factions besides. Italians, there's Russians, there's... I mean, isn't there all kinds of branches of different mafia floating around now? Well, yeah, I mean, look, mafia, if you go in a dictionary, it's any group of organized individuals. So, you know, it's not its not only of Italian descent. So you can have a mafia of any organized criminal uh, group. You know, the Russians have their group. The Chinese have their group. The, the Irish have their group. Organized crime, that's a better term that covers everything. You have a... Uh, a pod, it's a YouTube show, not a podcast, excuse me, called Sit Down with Michael Francis. Um, and that gets 5 million views a month. Yes, between 3 and 5 million, depending upon how consistent and active I am in doing the YouTubes. I try to do two a week, you know, but uh, I have I have a million, 100,000 subs. So people were, you know, pretty interested in what I have to say. And it's very active, and uh, you know what can I tell you? I never expected it to do that. I didn't. I was. I was actually reluctant going on YouTube, but when the pandemic hit, I'm a speaker, and I had 43 dates canceled that year. Mm. And uh, my team, I have a team behind me, and they said, "Well, what are you going to do, Michael?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to stay home. It's the first <laughs> time I'm home, 25 years. You know, I'm always on the road." And well, you can't do that, you know. You gotta, you gotta keep going. And after about two or three months, they convinced me to go on YouTube. Just very fortunately, it really blew up, and you know we've done very well with it. And I tell you this, you know, there's no other channel like YouTube in the world. It's without a doubt the biggest social media channel. If you wanna, if you can put effort into it and you can have success on YouTube, you're gonna be known all over the world. I, I think now we crossed 250 million views just on my platform. Wow, and on total platforms because I've been on so many other big ones, we, we're we're approaching a billion views. What do you think is the fascination with with the mafia lifestyle? What is it that's the fascination that you think anyway? Why is it people are so interested in this? Well, there's no question. I mean, it's a product of uh, Hollywood and the media, and larger than life people like John Gotti and Al Capone and Lucky Luciano. You know, people look at, at money and power and, and, you know, you guys get drive the nice cars. You got the, the good girls, you know, you, you got people at your beck and call. You get ringside table when you go into a club. That's very attractive to people. And I've heard this now for 25 years. You know, I never realized when I first started speaking 
just how intriguing this life is to people outside of the life. Never realized it because when you're in the life, well, that's your life. But, you know, I would go, when I first started speaking, I go to the Midwest. Nobody really knew me there. I had a lot of publicity back in New York, maybe in, in California. But, you know, you go to, to, uh, to Indiana and places like that, and the place was sold out. And I said, man, what's going on? Because of the mob guy, the mafia. They would put that on the bill and people would flock to it. And that hasn't stopped. And I think, you know, it goes in waves, but uh, the genre is very, very hot right now. And what could I say? I mean, I, I benefited from that, but I, I think I was one of the first ones out there, if not the first. And, and I've, I've had a good run. Speaking of the Midwest, what do you think of... Uh the show Tulsa King how is that entertaining or that I don't is that's not very accurate but is it what do you think of it it's not very accurate but I liked it I thought Stallone did a great job I really did I thought uh, you know I, I covered it I reviewed it on my channel because I do these uh, mob movie Mondays and I'll do a review I liked it I was uh, I was a little disappointed that it was canceled I don't think he's doing another season oh it was canceled I think so. I don't think he chose to do another season. Oh, that's a shame. I, I actually liked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Stallone did a good job. You know, he really did. I mean, you know, look, it was a different twist rather than the same old thing. So, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. Has something like that happened? Do people get... Is that situation, not the show itself, but is the situation realistic if somebody, they wanted them you know they wanted they wanted to keep him in the lifestyle but he was kind of you know in the retiring mode and they didn't want to rub him out uh would they do something like that and send him to like the siberia of you know the mafia land absolutely not <laughs> no there was there was no truth to something like that at all but like i said it was a different you know, the thing in in the entertainment industry, when you bring a mob movie or you bring something of a genre that's been done before, they always want to, the first, well, what's different about this? What's the different hook? Why are people going to watch this after they've seen The Sopranos and they've seen this one and they've seen that one? So you got to come up with something fresh. And that's what the writer did. They came up with something fresh. And uh, it was a good twist. You know, a lot of people commented on it. Oh, it's not real. And, you know, I would tell people, hey, this is not the documentary. You're watching a, movie, a, a television series. It's for your enjoyment. You know, uh, you, you're not doing research. You're not an investigator. Enjoy the show, you know. Mm. But, you know, some people take it a little too seriously, in my view. I mean, the, the classic Godfather movies, those are, what do you feel about them? Brilliant movies. I mean, Godfather 1 and 2, absolutely brilliant. Um, probably the best, you know, two of the best movies ever made. Uh accurate not really you know things are not always handed down to your son and uh, there was a lot of things that weren't accurate but still doesn't take away from the brilliance of the movie and they were brilliant now whoa are you hiding a body <laughs> no i just i'm sorry i'm going to uh i got the big weekend plan so i'm trying to stay ahead of everything but uh, we're, we're cool it's okay <laughs> Now, Rhode Island in the Northeast, Rhode Island, Boston, has been known for its mafia over the years. Absolutely. Now, you were based out of New York, correct? Yes. Now, did you have dealings with the Rhode Island and, and Massachusetts? I did a little bit, yeah. Did you spend time yeah. in Rhode Island doing stuff? I, I did. I spent some time there, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit. And I have a, uh, I have a little surprise for that evening, um, something of directly... 
uh, about that area and a prominent figure in that area. Um, and this has never been seen before, but it will be shown for the first time that evening. That sounds interesting. Uh, now, you must have hung out on Federal Hill. Of course. Anytime anybody ever talked to me about Federal Hill, they always just said, don't sit with your back to the door. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I've ever eaten on Federal Hill. <laughs> Well, the food is good there. You're missing out. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, now, how strong is the, the mafia these days? Do you know anything about the current situation of the mafia these days? Is it Has it been depleted, or is it still going as well as it always has been? Been depleted. It's uh, the golden years of the mob in the United States. And remember this, the, the stronghold for that life was always New York. And I'm not demeaning places like Chicago, that had a big presence, Kansas City, of course, New Orleans, uh, Tampa. But the stronghold was in New York simply because we had five families there and we had the most guys and, and we had the most influence. You had the, the, the biggest amount on the commission. It was five commission members that came out of the New York, out of the nine families. So, And the golden years of that life were really from the 50s right through the mid-80s when the racketeering laws started to have mass destruction of that life. And really, uh, as a result of that, it's been depleted quite a bit. I don't, in my view, it'll never be the same. They took so much control away from us regarding the unions and, and a lot of corporate infiltration that we had is gone. People just got too scared with the racketeering laws. It, 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 devastated. it was devastating. You know, a lot of people turn around and say, John Gotti destroyed that life with his very high profile and and it's absolutely not true. The life was destroyed as a result of the Racketeering Act. Hmm. It was devastating. Well, your your show is coming up on December 30th. Now, you want to give me a, a brief rundown of what the show consists of? Is it just a talk? Is there, uh, is there audio-visual stuff involved? Is it question and answer? Want to give me a, just a brief... You know, well, oh, as long as you feel all. like, tell me what's going to go on that night. You, you nailed it all. I'm going to be talking about, you know, the life there in Providence. So I'll be dealing directly with that. I'm going to be showing something that's never been seen before with respect to Providence and that life there. Uh, yes, I'll be talking about my life, be giving people the reality of that life, the way it really was back then and the way it, it is now to a degree there will be a q a i take questions from the audience I do have a vip section i'll be taking photos and we do handshakes and things like that and uh the audience is always very engaged and i've been doing this a long time i, I just just came from a tour in australia australia really yeah yeah they, they love it there <laughs> uh, I did a 15-city tour in the united kingdom last year and they're bringing me back this year i'll be going there in march I'll also be going to Monte Carlo. I'll be going to uh, uh, Scandinavia. Wow. So to tell you that there's a thirst for this life is, is you know, it's there. What I, could I say? I thought it was just an American fascination. No, not at all. And I want to be clear on this. You know, I, I want to make sure people understand. I, I'm not out to glorify the life. I walked away from it. And I've told people all the time, you know, I never encourage anyone to be part of that life because it's an at the end of the day, it's an evil lifestyle. Now, I want to be clear on this. I don't call the guys evil. I happen to be one of them. I happen to be very fortunate to be where I am. But the lifestyle is evil because I don't know any family of any member of that life, including my own, and not my wife and kids. I've been able to spare them, mother, father, brothers, and sisters that haven't been totally devastated. That's true of every family 
of every member of that life that I know. There are very few exceptions, if any. And any lifestyle that does that to a family is a bad life. Mm -hmm. And it always ends up bad. It never ends up good. It always ends up bad, especially in these days when you have just so much out there. Law enforcement has so many tools, so many weapons. You don't have a shot. And there's so many informants now. The kind of jail time that they give is, is crazy. People don't stand up under that pressure anymore. I, I discourage people from ever being involved in that life, so I want to make it clear. And I'll do the same that night. I don't get up there to glorify it, but I do tell the truth about it. And there are some good points about it. I can't even begin to tell you how many times now people are saying to me, Michael, we wish the mob was back because our neighborhoods were safe. And I said, yeah, you're right. Okay, in our cr neighborhoods, in our community, there was no crime. Unless we committed it, there would be no <laughs> crime because we wouldn't allow it. You know, and the things that are going on now with defunding the police, and I, I don't know how it is by you, but if you live in California, in L.A., in San Francisco, it's dangerous to walk the streets. It's crazy, and we, we never experienced, we never have, we wouldn't allow it. So there was some good points about that life, but again, I don't, I don't ever... I don't put a bow on it and a ribbon and say, hey, it's a great life. Anybody should be involved. That's not the case. Now, um, now during these question and answer periods, have you ever been thrown by a question or not been able to answer questions because of uh, sensitive reasons? Well, let me just let me just tell you this. The three top questions I get asked all the time, just about every time. Don't miss. Number one, where's all your money buried? Because the government said I've, my crime was $2 billion and that I have, still have money buried in different places. That's number one. Number two, did you ever kill anybody? Always get that question. And number three, where's Jimmy Hoffa buried? <laughs> so I start off the Q&A by telling people, listen, you can ask me anything that you want. I've been asked everything under the sun. You're not going to offend me. And if I don't want to answer, I know how to take the fifth. I've done that many times. So if I don't want to answer, um, I know how to answer a non-answer. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that people still bring up Jimmy Hoffa after all these years. Would you believe it? Still. It's amazing. Still. It's amazing that, I mean, I'm surprised that people even know who he is anymore. I mean, I you know, younger people, I'm sure, don't know. No, they don't really know, but it's it's an age-old question, and I don't know if it'll ever stop being asked. No, it probably won't. It's just, you know, even if they came out with the truth, it's kind of like what was in Al Capone's safe. and Exactly. You, you know, it's it's just one of those things, the myth and the legends. They People like to keep them going because it's fun. You're exactly right. So, All right. Well, I appreciate the conversation. Uh, thank you for calling. I mean, thank you for uh, talking, and hopefully you have a great night. I will see if I can get to the show that night because it sounds interesting. Uh, I did have a great talk with Chaz when I talked to him about his lifestyle, so that was very interesting. And he, you know, he sold out that venue, so I guess you know, I'm hoping that you have a great night as well because there seems to be a lot of interest in it, and uh, hopefully it's a, it's a it's a good night for you and like i said hopefully yeah. i'll get there well it's a big venue i don't know if we'll sell it out my my sweet spot is normally between you know 700 to 12 1500 i understand that's like 2000 or something isn't it 1600 no i think it's 11 okay well we, we could come close yeah there's a lot of interest i know ticket sales are going very well all right well uh thank you for, for the conversation uh hopefully i'll see you on the 30th and uh good luck with everything and stay out of trouble 
Thanks to Michael Franzese for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. He will bring us history of the mafia in Boston and Providence, Michael Franzese's A Mob Story, to the Stadium Theater Performing Arts Center in Woonsocket on Saturday, December 30th. For an offer you can't refuse, get to stadiumtheater.com. That's S-T-A-D-I-U-M-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.com. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Rhode Island Blood Center, Mother Earth Wellness, Graysale Brewing, Trinity Brewhouse, Ballet R.I., and R1 Indoor Karting. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 